0: Jay, are we on Zio yet?
1: No. Uh. We have one more comic to cover. I promise it will be good. You
0: said that when we first started Mighty Morphin.
1: I never said that. I said it would be interesting to do a podcast with you. still didn't get the donuts. Fuck.
0: Go. Go.
1: I'm Kitty Source J. And I'm what Kim would say to your future self, Ashley. And this is Ranger's Plane, where I, a lifelong Power Ranger fan, take Ashley, a newbie, through the entirety of Power Rangers, which include the alternate timelines of comics. Well, recent comics.
0: So today we're going to be covering the first five arcs of uh, Go Go Power Rangers, which is going to be up until the most recently released uh, Forever Rangers. Yes. So that was kind of like their annual for this year leading into the soon upcoming Necessary Evil arc through Boom Studios. So, But yeah, we're going to basically issues 1 through 20 and then Forever Rangers. Uh, but what is GoGo Power Rangers about?
1: Well, it is a retelling of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but as a teen drama. Meaning somewhere in the middle of the 2017 Power Rangers movie and the original Mighty Morphin. So it kind
0: of retreads some territory we saw in the original Mighty Morphin series, but a little bit more serious. So our reasoning for doing go go this like this month versus like going in with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic is very simple.
1: It's shattered grid. Shattered grid requires up to Dino Charge knowledge, so we're gonna hold off until we reach the end of Neosaban to look at into this. Go-Go does cross over into Shattered Grid, however, it's its own universe. It's it's like a self-contained story. Yeah, so
0: like there yeah, there is a few issues there where it does touch on Shattered Grid, but mostly it just sort of goes and does its own thing after that. So the story wraps around what's known as Arrival Day, which is the day that alien like the aliens came to Earth and the Power Rangers arrived. But you never see that. You either get flashbacks of the Rangers when they were younger before Arrival Day. Or the Rangers after, so it's kind of an interesting bit of storytelling that we don't actually see what happened when the Rangers got their powers yet Jules is leaving me to do the creative team for this because I can pronounce names better, but so our creative team for the first three volumes, we have our writer uh Ryan Parrott, who was the writer on um Aftershock, actually, and I actually think he didn't. The, the writing in this one is actually way better than an Aftershock. Yeah. Um, especially when you have more room to explore, I guess. Uh, art was by Dan Mora, who I, I mostly know him from the WWE comics, and he's always been very solid, and he was very solid here. With colors by Raul Angulo and Ed Dukeshire. From Volume 4 onward, Eleonora Carlini takes over art with Francisco Martiano taking over, or at least helping with art duties on Forever Rangers. Alright, uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about our characters, who are mostly very familiar to us at this point.
1: Yes, since we've been over so much Mighty Morphin that you want to, like, strangle me. But Let's start with uh, Trini, who... As a character, what is this?
0: Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with this concept. Um, so this is probably the most developed Trini we've seen so far. I mean, obviously we haven't gotten to the the mainline Mighty Morphin comics yet. But this is, like, the most developed Trini we've seen so far, af- pretty much after Pink. Or, um, or even, like, well, there wasn't much in the 2017 movie, unfortunately. Yeah. So, then, yeah, this is definitely the most developed Trini we've seen so far. So, a lot of what we see from her character arc is that she's a former military brat that moved around a lot because her dad was stationed in different countries and hasn't really been in one place for too long and kind of is... Aloof because of that.
1: Military Brat, backstory, and my Power Rangers. Right. She also has
0: a major crush on Jason that it ends up carrying over for basically the entire, like, first 20 issues of the of the series and plays into the arcs pretty
1: majorly. Which I I like the story with Jason. I just kind of wish the comics in general, would just find something else and Trini likes a guy or has a crush on a guy. That being said, I do like that Jason Moore was relegated to being the main love interest and kind of being the thing that Trini seeks, as opposed to Jason seeking Trini.
0: Yeah, and like... I don't know. It was pretty fun. It was fun. And I was also like, I do like the fact you get to see more of her relationship with Kimberly besides just the fact that like, we're both the girls on the team. So we're automatically best friends. We're going to go to girl things. Girl (laughs) things. Gender is binary. (laughs) (laughs) Please watch Tuca and Birdie. It is so good. But moving on. So you also get to see the fact that Trini does have a lot of heart as well. Like she names all of the Zords. Um, The one that, like, comes up the most is uh, Kittisaurus for her Zord. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a couple of jokes in there about how, like, neither the Mastodon nor the Sabertooth Tiger are dinosaurs. Yes. but Thank God. Yeah. But, yeah, I do love the fact that, like, she does name her, name the Zords and Kittisaurus is the major, like, one that comes up a lot.
1: And she's funny, too. Like, one of my favorite lines in it is uh, when she tells Jason he has abs like a monster truck tire. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Has like, monster truck tires, and you're not a bad kisser. But I do like the fact that, like, one, they kept in the fact that she's afraid of heights. Yeah. So it wasn't just a one-off thing, like, in that one really terrible episode with, like, was that the episode with, um, uh, uh Tickle Sneezer?
1: No, that was not the episode with Tickle Sneezer. Okay.
0: And it was some tree centric episode where she's just like, oh, God, Billy can't let you left alone without me.
1: Yeah. It's, I'm afraid of heights. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so, but you get to see her be more smart and capable in this series. Like, there's literally one point where she actually becomes, like, the leader of the Power Rangers through random happenstance of, like, getting sucked through, like, a portal after Rita and, like, her and Jason swap powers. Yes. Or swap colors, rather. So yeah, it was cool to get to see her be the team leader and also be one hundred percent right about Alpha One. Fuck Alpha One. Yeah. Also, if you are not caught up on the series, this is going to be full of spoilers. So yeah, tr- co- proceed forward with caution. And also, I do love the fact that her basically her um her solution to flirting with Jason or being closer to Jason is,
1: hey, want to fight? Want to fight? <laughs> want to spar together? It's like want to beat each other up this is this is this is totally flirting, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, I guess since we've talked about the one girl on the team, let's move on to the other so we
1: have Kimberly Hart uh she's mostly dealing with her parents splitting up,
0: uh which is always a plot line uh made minor plot line in um the original Mighty Morphin, but it's actually com- kind of coming to the front here, yeah,
1: especially since it's uh, you actually see them split up whereas in the series her parents are Officially divorced,
0: yeah. Then have been divorced, and then Kimberly's mom ends up with like some French dude, some French artist, yeah. Um. So the funny thing is, is that like when we first, like when Kimberly first meets the team, like we see it in a flashback. Um. They actually kind of hate each other because Kimberly accidentally caused Zach to lose his job. Yes. So they kind of start on a really, they start on a rough page. But they, like, they knew Zach, like, Zach knows, like, she ends up meeting Zach through her boyfriend, Matt, which we'll talk about Matt in a bit. I mean, the whole thing that comes across that is that, uh, like, she was out at a restaurant with her parents, and they started arguing, and she wanted them to focus on literally anything else, so she complained about her salad to the waiter, or, well, to the waiter, and it happened to be the closest busboy nearby, which was Zach, and he kind of ended up mouthing off to them a little bit not too badly um uh, basically he just told uh kimberly's dad to s- never call him son and then basically the manager came by and was like immediately fi- basically fired zach on the spot yeah uh which kimberly felt super bad about and also uh kimberly's dad is apparently a racist so yeah
1: okay. probably i
0: mean he's a rich white dude but yeah so they start off on the rough on the wrong foot but they eventually become friends and teammates So, yeah, it's really, like, you do see Kim to be the fun girly girl that she's been before, but, like,
1: she's, like, a little bit more snarky this time. And, um... Comes from rich parents instead of working-class parents, because that was a big thing in the series and that one episode that was racism but not racism. Right. uh, With Aisha wanting to get into this certain club, and it's like, Kimberly's like, well, my family doesn't make a lot of money either.
0: Right, yeah, um... So, yeah. God, the racism but not racism episode. Um, We've been dealing with this so much. But, yeah. So, it's actually a thing here that, like, Kimberly's parents are actually pretty, like, pretty loaded. Mm -hmm. But it's still, like, not bringing them happiness. Yeah. But, yeah. I think Kimberly here, you get to see her deal with a lot in her personal life. Because, like, at one point her boyfriend goes missing and finds out they're Power Rangers and they break up being a ranger in general like because every time i'm reading this i'm just thinking of that line zordon had and like mighty morphin like in season three when kimberly was leaving he's like i never meant to deprive you of a life it's like you kind of are you kind of are and he's definitely doing it here dealing with being a ranger her parents are splitting up which i probably already mentioned oh and also she has a future self that just comes into the picture which is ranger slayer kimberly so, Ranger Slayer Kimberly comes from a dark future where Tommy has gone full evil and becomes um, Lord Dracon, which I know is a thing in Shattered Grid, and we're going to get there... It's going to be a few years, you guys. Yeah. Um, and takes over the world, and he also kills a bunch of Power Rangers. Like, it is confirmed at that point that Billy and Jason are dead
1: in uh, Kimberly's future. And so... She she becomes a freedom fighter with a sweet sweet lesbian haircut. Oh god,
0: that haircut is such queer bait, and I am baited. Yeah,
1: like her entire outfit and everything was very much queer bait.
0: Yeah, so at some point she was basically norted before going into the future, and then basically got hit by lightning in the past by Kimberly, like her. The the current present Kimberly, I guess, mm-hmm. and then is snapped out of it, and then she goes. Eventually, at some point, she finds Tommy in the past and hits him with like a healing arrow or something like that. She specifically says that she's giving him a second chance instead of like you know pulling a terminator and going back in time and killing him. Yeah, which they kind of play with. It's it's unclear initially why she's coming back to the past when she shows up, and um. So, at some point, I was like, oh, is she a Terminator? And then you see that she was brainwashed. So, it's like, oh, she I guess she kind of was a Terminator. But now she's still going forward with her mission. It's like, oh, but she's not actually killing Tommy. Okay. Um, But, yeah. And also, the interesting thing about her, like, her in the future, uh, or our future Kim, is that she's, like, really good friends with bulk. Yes. So, they're um, resistance fighters on the same side. And, like... we'll talk about this when we talk about Bulk's character, but you kind of get to see more of them being friends and more of Bulk as a person. And like at some point he actually admits that he's a huge history buff to Kimberly. Mm -hmm. And so like when future Kim meets past Bulk, she gives him a hug and just uh, says, bring it in Magellan. It's actually really cute and kind of sad. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, moving on from uh, the ranger slayer who I love uh we're going back to our main five, which is our next is
1: Billy 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 doesn't change much uh either, except he's a lot younger. he's a lot younger than everyone. he's the baby of the group, about fourteen where the rest are fifteen and sixteen, uh, and he doesn't use big s a t words in fact, he says boobs, yeah, Billy says a swear, you guys Billy says a swear <laughs> let
0: Billy swear um, but yeah, so he definitely like I do like the fact that like um. Dan Mora especially. Carlini carries this over some as well. Makes him, does make him look more babyish compared to the other members of the group. Yeah. Because he is, like, again, 14 years old. Um, And it's nice to see that, like, him and Trini are also best friends in the comic. Yeah. And, like, they actually end up going to Homecoming together. Uh, which mostly because, like, Billy didn't want to go. And kept saying, like, oh, there's an MST3K marathon on that night. Which is... What is Billy's favorite MST3K movie?
1: I'm still trying to determine that. I almost want to say Time Chasers, but that's because it's one of my personal faves. (laughs) You can't just project onto Billy, Jake. I know that's why I'm like, it's not Time Chasers. Okay,
0: but yeah, it's like really nice to see them like be best friends and hang out together. And then so like he also has like a major arc. I think like in the first like volume, first couple of volumes, yeah, where he, um. You know besides the fact that like he's you know Billy is an absolute genius still um, and he's feeling pressure to basically go I guess no longer be in school and go work at an organization known as Promethea which apparently has something to do with like the Mighty Morphin comics and Shattered Grid but we're not there yet. And it puts him through a lot
1: of turmoil. and um, Like his dad dealing with him being a genius. Like, they do have the stereotypical, like, his dad was like, man, I wish I had a football player. And you're like, oh, no. And then his dad was like, hey, I'm glad I have a super genius and you should do what makes you grow. Yeah. I, he, his, his dad is basically just, are you winning, son? Yes. Are you winning, son? And, um ends up he ends up rejecting the offer because he's a ranger and doesn't really go into it but his, his parents accept him like doing that it's like well that it's your life son you got to live what you live and then his parents kind of follow through with ended up getting what looks like it's going to be end up being the rad bug
0: yeah it's a real junky like uh vw beetle that they're going to fix up and i guess at some point we're uh, later in the series where you're going to see the rad bug which i'm kind of excited about yeah.
1: He's adorable. I love him. I will always love Billy. I will adopt him.
0: You'll just have a 14-year-old, like, ranger son. Yes. Another interesting thing about Billy is that we get to see that, like, the fact he used to have, like, a friendship with Skull. Yes. And it was so cute. Yeah. So you get to see them as kids. Like, at first they don't lead on the fact that it is Skull that he's playing with until, like, um... Because they're playing pirates, and then they make a whole thing about them being skull and bones with Billy being bones, and it's really adorable, and then you flash forward to current day in the comic, and I guess skull kind of grew up to be a bit of a bully, or he started hanging out with bulk more. It's a little unclear, yeah, but their relationship is really
1: strained, and it actually doesn't mend throughout the series.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least at this point, um, basically, um, Billy calls out Skull a lot, like, especially when he starts bullying him, and then actually, as a ranger, does it.
1: Yeah. And it kind of kicks into a lot of growth that you see with Bulk and Skull later.
0: Yeah, but it is sad just to see, like, it's that, that uh, we used to be friends kind of situation. And it's really depressing. Yeah. I, and a lot, and
1: you can kind of gravitate towards that if you went through that as a kid.
0: Yeah, especially if you've, like, kind of like we're friends with somebody as when you were a kid and then as they got older you kind of grew apart from them for you know various
1: reasons
0: but uh moving on we're gonna move on to our uh shonen syndrome boys we're gonna
1: start with uh zach so shonen syndrome is where they do not look their age they look like adults
0: yeah so zach and jason are supposed to be like 16 and 15 respectively and they do not look at it in the comic
1: they're they're, they're so jacked and a lot of that has to do with real quick about shonen uh in the past is they wanted specifically 14 year olds to be their main leads and so people would work around to be like oh yeah this totally jacked 12 year old is 12
0: yeah so like i just my brain automatically goes to jojo's bizarre adventure with like
1: Jonathan and Dio when they were twelve.
0: Yeah, or how however old they're supposed to be. But yeah. Um. But yeah. So Zach, he's not just the black guy in the comic. No. So he's like one of the most popular, charismatic guys in school. He plays football. He's voted class clown. He's sort of just like all American boy who lost his job because of racist rich people. Yeah. Another thing we see here is that he kind of takes the role of, like, Jason from the movies, or from the movie, rather, um, the 2017 movie, and is butting heads with Zordon a lot, which I think Zack did in, like, the 2017 movie as well, but, like... Not as much. Yeah, not as much. That was more of a teenage rebellion thing versus here, where Zack is, like, he ends up butting heads with Zordon a lot, kind of just wondering why Jason was picked as leader over him.
1: yeah. An, an interesting thing to note about uh, Zach is he's the stable character. Um, I hate to say the word static, but he kind of has minor things going on. But he he's kind of the rock of the other for the other characters. He doesn't need, he's like Godai and the common uh, rider Kuga, where Godai does go through changes, but they're not as obvious as say Ichijō's changes. Right. Uh, but yeah,
0: he um, he ends up like he butts heads with Zordon, sometimes butts heads with Jason, but yeah, he otherwise he's been he's fairly stable character. He is dependable, uh, very caring. Like you get to see an um, there's a minor arc which I don't know if they're gonna pick up in past like Forever Rangers because like it was more hinted that like he was trying to flirt with Angela, which still not over all of that from Mighty Morphin. Basically, he was uh, – had an entire thing with Violet, um, who we only saw for, like, an episode in Mighty Morphin. Uh, but Violet being another smart girl in school who's kind of shy, but she ends up writing him, like, a riddle to ask him out to uh, to homecoming. Yeah. And uh, he ends up going with her, and he actually kind of likes her and kind of keeps trying to go out on uh, more dates with her. And I hope they do continue that arc because it's actually really cute to kind of see Zach just being like, like, she's like, you could have gone with anybody. He's like, yeah, but you were the only one who actually asked me. Yeah. So, which is really cool. And then he also has some of the best one-liners, like, in the series, like, when they're fighting.
1: They go to putty heaven, Trini. <laughs>
0: Sorry, that still kills me. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I don't know why they go to put uh, they go to putty heaven. Trini just slays me every time I think of that line. Looks great in pink. Yeah. So as we said, there's an entire um in the in the volume four arc. It starts with Jason and Trini swapping colors, but when the Rangers go through the same portal or time hole or whatever space hole, uh, to save uh to save them, they end up all swapping colors. So. Uh, Billy becomes the Black Ranger, um, Kimberly becomes the Blue Ranger, and Zach becomes the Pink Ranger. Can't fire an arrow worth shit, but he looks really good in pink. He does. But yeah, also, like, hip-hop keto only occurs once. And everybody looks at him like, what the fuck are you even doing, man? Yeah. It was a really well-done page, though, and I think that was when uh, Carl... Yeah, it was volume four when Jason was missing, so that would have been Carlini.
1: Um, and then, of course, the Shonen Syndrome later, he just looked, like, too ripped and too big to be, like, 15.
0: Yeah, I mean, technically he's supposed to be 16, but still, he looked entirely, like, I knew 16-year-old football players in high school Then none of them looked like Zach. But if we're going to talk about Shonen Syndrome again, like, Jason Lee Scott.
1: That it, mega Shonen
0: Syndrome. Yeah, because he's, like, as soon as, like, the first two pages it's all like says that he's fifth the first two pages of the first issue says that he's supposed to be 15 years old and i literally burst out laughing because he like does not look 15 he looks 25 like oh my god he's so ripped he's so shonen like he's his entire thing is just ripped shonen moody protagonist yeah um so he's kind of he's a former asshole kid who's trying to do good um, we see that a lot in his flashbacks where he talks about breaking like a kid's arrow at camp and it sounds like he may have injured him more than that. Yeah. And then he ends up going to um ends up going to a karate dojo, insults the sensei there, and then um and then ends up like but like the sensei like reads him for filth.
1: Yes. Oh god, does he ever? Yeah,
0: and then so Jason gets mad and then they like he tries to hit him and then like the Uh, his uh, instructor like deflects him and they end i guess he ends up staying and studying karate and being repentant for the rest of his days but yeah like i do like the fact that even in that particular like storyline where you can see why jason is the way he is he becomes more than just karate Karate. yeah karate dude servicing his community like giving a place for like wayward kids of angel grove to go Um, so it's really nice to see Jason be more than just leader karate guy. Um, like another big storyline that we get with him is about his dad. Yeah. So his dad has some sort of sickness that is not really elaborated upon in the comic. We assume that it's cancer of some sort due to the fact that like Jason's having, like they talk about taking, like having him being tested for things yeah and like jason is like help helping him with like pills and helping him get in and out of bed um but they don't really say what kind of sickness he has we just know that his dad is sick and initially doesn't want to talk about it because you don't burden the people you love with your problems which is such toxic masculinity but at least jason rises above that and says no dad like we're here like we're here to lean on each other we're going to help you no matter how we can and he does actually try to get his dad help by going to Zordon, which Zordon goes on this whole thing about, like, things must happen naturally as they should in the universe. I've interfered too much in the past. Which it, is... it might be a hang-up
1: of Zordon that we'll see later.
0: Yeah, because we get a lot of Zordon's backstory. Um, well, not a lot, but enough uh, to see that he's kind of really traumatized from the ongoing uh, ranger war, I guess. Yeah um but yeah and then like we also see as we mentioned before he has the whole thing with trini he's oblivious to it oh god he is so oblivious he is he's cute but he dumb he dumb so until they like uh, can actually read each other's thoughts because that was a whole thing about like on when they were on um uh on that one planet i think it's like bio, Bilal. um i'll have I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I should have written that down for the notes on the, like, for the show notes today for us to read. So basically, when they're on the planet chasing after Rita and their powers have swapped, they can also sort of read each other's thoughts. And Jason, who was told by, like, the evil putty version of Matt earlier that Trini has a crush on him, and she just sort of brushed it off, is just like, oh, no, I don't, I, like, he was lying to you. I don't have a crush on you. (laughs) Um... Fight me. Fight me. Uh, So, but she actually, like, they kind of have to have that discussion because, like, he's like, you're in love with me? And, like, talks about, like, because he can feel what Trini feels whenever she looks at him. And it's it's kind of awkward. And, like, and they end up actually kissing and it's really cute. But then, like, they don't know what to actually do with their relationship after that. So it's, like, it, it's, like, four volumes of leading up to them kissing and then, like... Awkwardness. Awkwardness. Um, I'm talking with my hands, and I wish you could see it. Um, so they just... I mean, I i, I figure that they're probably leaving space to come back to this, especially if, like, they plan on touching on, like, the whole Peace Conference arc. Yeah. It should be nice to actually see the Peace Conference arc actually play out in a way, instead of just being, like... Like, these three people have left our show. We're just going to have them go to a peace conference so we can write them out. Yeah. So Trini actually is the one who ends up breaking it off because, like, she's worried that, she, like, she's being a distraction to Jason. It's just, again, the whole thing about Trini kind of being the one to, like, take impetus a lot on this relationship instead of just being, like, a prize for Jason to win. Yeah. But they never actually even tell the team about it. Like, Kimberly gets close to, like, figuring it out a couple of times. Yeah. But other than that, they're just like, we can't tell anybody about this. And, like, like, people figured out early before, so we nearly got caught. And so as of, like, Forever Rangers, they're currently broken off. But we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. And honestly, like, the whole thing is, like, that entire relationship is really cute, even if Jason's, like oh my gosh she wasn't even hiding it that well you guys fight me <laughs> anyway um so let's moving on since we're done with our main rangers we're gonna move on to our side characters including uh, bulk and skull
1: yay they had a lot of character arc in this yeah
0: like way more than we've seen on like any like even when they grew as people in power rangers we've never really seen them have this much character before So there's a lot of emphasis on the parts of Bulk and Skull you've never really seen before. Like, um, you see Skull's relationship with Billy, which we obviously talked about already. And then in the Homecoming arc, there's a whole um, side plot of, like, uh, Bulk running for Homecoming King. Yeah. And he actually, like, it's implied that, like, he actually was about to win. Yes. But he ends up being bullied by the popular girl in school, Marlowe, who wants to who basically wants to win Homecoming Queen and doesn't want to dance with him at Homecoming. So basically he she ends up bullying him into submission and even at one point threatens to uh pour paint and pull a total carry on his date, uh, which ends up causing a rift between him and his date Haley because he really likes her, but then she finds out later that like why he gave up the Homecoming King spa. And she's like, I could have handled a bit of paint. Lose my number. Which is like,
1: come on. Can't be that serious. It's it's high school. Everything is serious That's true. That's true. But I, I love what Skull said to cheer him up. It's like, her poetry was crap anyway.
0: <laughs> it's like, you totally would have won though, right? He's like, oh yeah, I would have. Um, and then like, we also at some point after um, Kimberly breaks up with, or, or Matthew breaks up with Kimberly, well, after they break up, Kimberly actually agrees to go on a date with Skull because he keeps flirting with her and she's just sort of like, I, I guess trying to like pretend that she's over Matt and yeah. it's fine. So she's like, yeah, sure. I'll go on a date with you. And it actually ends up being really cute when it, like, I feel like if that had played out in the TV series, like Skull would have been a total awkward creeper. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you actually get to see Skull be like really sweet. And at some point he actually like, he, he got what he wanted with Kim, but he was still just like, no, this isn't really what I want, because you're clearly just here trying to move on from Matt.
1: And he relates it to when his dad left. Yeah, so,
0: and talks about how much pain his mom was in, and it was like, it was really sweet. And then, like, he actually turns Kim down for a kiss when she's, like, doing the whole, like...
1: Death. Oh, I'm totally over him, guys. Yeah, so let's kiss Skull.
0: And then, like, she ends up talking about it later with, like, because Bulk is like, if you hurt hurt him at all. And she's like, no, actually, he turned me down. (laughs) Which then he just, like, Skull just shifts that, like, sorry, Bulk shifts that to, hey, do you hear that, guys? Like, he turned Kimberly Hart down. (laughs) But, yeah, it was really nice to see them, like, be Bulk and Skull. But make them actual people versus, like... Bullies. Because, like, you, this is such a, a strange arc from, like, the first, like, season of Power Rangers where I'm just like, why are they here? And now I'm just like, protect Bulk Hulk, and Skull forever. Yes. And like I said, we get to see Bulk in the future. And as we kind of said before, like, the relationship with him and Kim is kind of sad. I mean, they're really good friends. And, like, he obviously still cares about her. But it's kind of sad to see them, like it took literally the end of the world for them to kind of see each other eye to eye.
1: And we would like to shout out to how bulk was drawn, even as a resistance fighter in the future, he was fat.
0: Yeah. So they didn't try to make him like try to hide his fatness or anything. Like he stays consistently fat as like, as Paul was in the, um in the TV series.
1: And a character as opposed to, haha, ha, fat guy. Yeah,
0: so like he gets to have a character instead of just being like, haha, ha, fat bully who always gets his comeuppance for comedic relief. All right, and then, um, so we've talked a lot about Matt so far, but we haven't actually talked about Matt. So let's talk about Matt Cook. So Matt is another one of those guys who's like, he's the most popular guy in school, one of the most popular guys in school. He gets along with everyone. He's dating Kim, and they're really cute. And, oh, my God, he goes through so much traumatic bullshit. And they
1: actually deal with it. Yeah.
0: So, basically, at some point, um, Rita ends up crafting, Rita and Finster ends up crafting, like, this super putty that can basically turn itself into anyone. So, the super putty goes to Earth, replicates Zach. Don't you mean Matt? Sorry, Matt. Matt, Zach. Matt and Zach are kind of in similar positions, so can you blame me? Um, So... Ends up copying Matt. Matt gets taken to, like, the like the palace on the moon, which is still m- noted as Bandora's palace. Yes. And, like, they make whole jokes in, like, issue two or three about how, like, why is she at this ostentatious palace on the moon? Which is a, a nice way to kind of riff on that in the series, like, even when everything is still kind of being a little bit more serious. So he gets kidnapped, taken to the moon, replaced by a super putty, escapes on his own after refusing to eat, and, like, I think nearly stabs Squat with, like, a shiv or a knife. Yeah. He escapes on his own, makes it back to Earth during, like, homecoming, has severe PTSD, thinks he has some sort of link to the Power Rangers, and wants to do something about the monsters. Oh, And then, like, he then he ends up meeting Ranger Slayer Kim because like she is basically traumatized when she sees like Matt because she saw him die in the future. Yep. So she tells him everything and then he goes to everyone. Like when I say everyone I mean the rangers. Goes to the rangers and's like, "Listen, I know everything. Just tell me. Tell me, tell me." Basically he's telling he's asking them, "Tell me that you're Power Rangers." And they still refuse to do it, and so he ends up breaking up with Kimberly because of it. Poor Matt. Yeah, he goes through so much, and I mean, hopefully, we're gonna see. It does look like in the upcoming like um, arcs of um, of Gogo, they are introducing Tommy finally uh, because the last page of Forever Rangers does have uh Tommy versus Jason at the karate expo. Yeah.
1: And they just released the preview pages of the time of recording the podcast and it is Tommy and Kimberly on a date.
0: So it does look like she's gonna be moving on from Matt a little bit, but I imagine that he's probably gonna pay a little bit of more of a role because Kimberly does try to make amends with Matt in Forever Rangers. So but God, poor Matt. 'Cause he just he seems like a very sweet and friendly guy and then he just goes through so much trauma. Yeah. But yeah, let's who's the source of so much of that trauma? Rita! Rita. Holy shit. Yeah.
1: Holy fucking shit. So uh Rita in this comic is an actual warlord. Yeah, she's not just an, an evil sorcerer. She's an actual fucking warlord who has conquered planets for thousands of years in the name of Master Vile.
0: She is shit. She is scary, she is campy, and she's real hot. Yeah. yeah we don't have the nut button nearby but just just in your mind imagine it so uh, yeah especially like dan mora and eleanor carlini just the way they've drawn rita she's very evil like they it's more of like an americanized evil sorceress but like cheekbones that could cut glass and just still very campy and evil but like more evil so she, And she's also obtained the squad that we've come to know through nefarious means through her years of conquest. Goldar is not useless. I mean, he's still real dumb, but like, yeah, he's not useless and he actually has jokes at some point. Is there at least some manner of blood sacrifice about homecoming? Yeah. Which Finster's response is, there's punch? I should note, Finster called it an adolescent mating ritual, which he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, Just sometimes involves like slow dancing to country music if you grew up in the south.
1: Yeah. So much country music.
0: But yeah. So the reason like he joined up with Rita is because like I guess he was part of the general Lord Zed Rita repulsa master vile army. Um but he actually ends up uh pledging loyalty to Rita. Sounds like over something about like Zed killing his brother. She says that like I'm actually going to like reward your loyalty. So right then and there on the battlefield, he just pledges a blood oath to Rita. That happened. That happened. This is pretty much in line with like Power Rangers Pink, where he was willing to stab a guy like through with a sword. And so I guess moving on to Squat, Squat kind of has like one, of, like for being Squat in the original TV series, he actually has one of the more interesting backstories basically is that he's been with Rita since he was a baby. Yeah. So he was uh, an offering from his parents so that they he would spare her their lives. And um there's a whole thing where they're just like tragically trying to like appeal to Rita to like spare them by like giving her their baby. Oh, she ends up taking the baby but she kills them anyway. Yep. Total D move. Yeah. Squat's never met his parents and I guess he would see Rita as a mother figure. That's weird. I would definitely say though, the most interesting backstory of like all of the, all of Rita's goons would have to be Babu. Mm -hmm. So Babu is an alien known as a Pongi. So he was an advisor to his King who tried to go against, uh, go to war against Rita now, the initial story that Babu tells Rita when she arrives on his planet and sees that the entire army is made of stone is that they drank and they drank and they must have drank something that, um, that caused them to turn to stone and he had tried to advise his king and now it's like, it's all his fault and he, beg- he begs Rita to kill him right there on the spot. Yes. Um, but she's like, no, I could use somebody like you. Come along. But as it actually turns out, that was somewhat of the truth. It was Babu's fault. But the thing was, is that he it, he asked the king, because he knew Rita was coming, he asked his king to just bend the knee and surrender. But the king refused, and basically was willing to go to war and kill his entire army, then be seen as a coward. So he basically just gave him a potion that would turn him and the entire army into stone. And he tells this story to Goldar and says, I will never sacrifice my life for another stupidity. And this actually ends up playing a whole thing with, how, like, he does the same. He ends up doing the same with Rita to test the loyalty of everyone else. Yeah. And it's actually somewhat interesting because it's like you never definitely saw, you never saw those kind of politics with, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. I have such a headache. Um, And, of course, we have Finster. Finster does not get as much development as the rest of the the squad does, but it is implied that he's actually been with Rita for a really long time and that a lot of his creations have helped conquer worlds without her being there, yeah. which gives an entirely new light to Finster besides just, you know monster dude who's kind of just portrayed as like this like old like creator man who's like oh dear and i can still imagine him having that voice in the in the comic but like you know he's a little bit more sinister with it like the closest i can really imagine is like as much as like i have a complicated fraught relationship with fables but he kind of reminds me of geppetto and fables okay um And so there's one last member we got to talk about. She's not really officially in Rita's squad. But she's important enough to talk about. And that would be Lady Fianna. A.K.A. Rita Repulsa's mother. So in Volume 5, about roughly there. um, It's going to be the arc after the body swap. I don't know, the power swap. Um, Around Volume 5. So Rita obtains the dragon power coin and is trying to activate it and she doesn't know how so she ends up performing this spell that causes like the residual energy of her mother to come back and you actually get some of rita's backstory there is that um lady fienna was married to master vile and while she was pregnant with rita saw how evil vile was and ran away from him and so she had rita on a planet called uh Ustis, istus, it's like I U S T U S. Um so she ends up having Rita while she's on the run from Vile and she actually is associated with Zoron actually. And she decides to name Rita Rita because I guess Rita on her planet means balance in the universe. So she really wanted Rita to be the balance in the universe against her father which obviously didn't play out. Because when Rita would say, like when Rita was really young, she's on the run with Vienna. Gets overtaken by the Tanga Warriors, which the Tangas also look way better in the comic than they did in the TV series. Who knew? Yes. And they actually seem very terrifying. But anyway, so she basically tries to fight off the Tangas while Rita is hiding, but gets overtaken. I think it's implied that she's killed right there as well. And at some point after that, she ends up going, to, like, Rita ends up going to Vile. So she brings the residual energy of Vienna back. And Vienna is, I mean, she tricks Vienna at first and like, that she's trying to run from her father. Which I I buy into that some because it's, like, even in the original TV series, Rita was terrified of Vile. Yeah. But, yeah, so she brings the residual energy of her mother back to try to figure out how to activate the dragon power coin. And so Fianna actually sees Rita for who she is and is still convinced that there is good in Rita. And it's actually like that entire like last issue with Fienna is really upsetting. She still wants to see the good in Rita and says that, if, but someone that can still feel love, that person is never beyond redemption. And she's specifically talking about that with Rita and her goons. Which is very poignant. Yes. And I think is definitely going to play in with Rita later. Cause, so we've never hidden the fact that we are not a blind watch of Power Rangers. Yeah. I know a lot about what's coming up. And I do know that Rita in, in canon of the TV series was eventually redeemed. Yes. So I just wonder if they're going to eventually play into like Rita becoming the mystic mother at some point. Another interesting thing about Fianna, before she ends up being killed to, like, reactivate the dragon power coin, is that she's wearing the dragon shield.
1: Oh, yeah, she is.
0: So, like, I just wonder how, like, how much that plays into what's going to happen in the next arc. I mean, I don't know if Fianna's going to come back, because it's very much implied that her, the last of her spirit was killed for the dragon power coin to even reactivate, but, like, I wonder if that's going to end up playing into what Tommy ends up going through.
1: But we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Next up we have Zordon and Alpha. They're pretty much Zordon and Alpha. Uh, more backstory is given to Zordon than what you would normally see. Um, uh, history is why the way he is. We're probably going to see more of it as we go along. Yeah, he seems like he just is
0: mostly wanting to keep the universe safe. And like has learned from a lot of mistakes. Like I definitely implied that in the um in the issue where's like basically Jason comes to him and asks him to ki- like cure his father of any like illnesses that he has, and Zordon refuses because he wants the, like the universe to play out naturally as it should. So it sounds like he's probably uh fucked around with some shit in the past yeah. and doesn't want to talk about it. But at some point he eventually does realize he's treating the Rangers like children instead of like power rangers.
1: Alpha's more capable and helpful,
0: yeah, oh, going back to Zordon for a bit, it's interesting to see Zordon and his like not in the glass jar, pattern. oh yeah and not like a mummy, yeah, so he's like. This full-grown, six-foot-something blue man, like, in clothing. So not like Dr. Manhattan or anything like that. So, yeah, and it's interesting just to see Zordon as a person and not just an entity. Uh, But, yeah, going back to Alpha 5, yeah, Alpha's actually, like, useful in the comic. Like, we still don't get to see a lot of him. He's still kind of just a side character, but, like, he's more capable and helpful. He really has a relationship with Billy. Becomes Iron Man. And I say he looks more like Rescue. Okay,
1: fair.
0: It's a whole thing about, like, Billy creating another, like, ranger suit and just eventually Alpha just sort of sticks himself in it to help save the rangers. Alpha 5 is not the first Alpha. In fact, uh, the first Alpha, we do meet him.
1: He is Alpha 1. He fucking sucks. Fucking terrible. Fuck Alpha 1. He's kind of an HK-47 in look and also by personality. And also
0: just his entire thing is just like, hey, sexy mama, want to kill all humans? Death to meat bags." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's implied that in the pat, the reason Alpha was created is that Alpha One was created to help fight wars. So he's meant to be kind of an attack bot. And so there's an entire, like, thing where he almost kills Goldar, uh, which I'm sure it's Goldar. But the rangers end up stopping him because they're good people. And they're just like, no, we don't kill people around here. So they end up having to fight the kill bot. So the only person that doesn't really trust him, though, is Trini. And she was right. But in the defense of the other rangers, they were just sort of like, hey, our, like, school life ranger balance is killing us. It would be really nice if, like, we didn't have to be rangers all the time. And we could leave that job to somebody else. yeah so just have alpha one do it. And then like alpha one actually tries to kill people and they're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa.
1: Don't whoa. actually murder things. yeah.
0: So yeah, that happens. And it, also like, I can't believe anybody would think alpha one is was good because like, if you looked at his design, he was fairly clearly meant to
1: be a kill bot. Yeah. He's like a hundred percent looks like a kill bot. I like, this is the, the captain mutiny situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, why did we trust Captain Mutiny? Well, first off, his name was Captain Mutiny. I can't wait to get to that line in Lost Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get there yet. But yeah, uh, moving on to our... We don't have any odds and ends for this
0: episode because we've kind of covered most everything. But there are a couple of things we want to talk about. Mostly Ernie's shitty facial hair from the 90s. Oh, dear God. Or early Thanks. 2000s. I don't know when it's supposed to be. It's Early
1: rough, 2000s. yeah. Two thousand teens, I think, because they have, like, really good smartphones. Right.
0: But it's it's implied to be about six years. So it's probably when Zach is about ten years old. Yeah. So I roughly don't know when, like, the comic is supposed to be taking place. But, besides the fact that they're smartphones, but it's just... Ernie's facial hair, he's got this weird like soul, like it's not really a soul patch, it's like a soul you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's so bad. It's like, I can't even call it a goatee because it's just on his chin and not around his face. That's so, so bad. It's like, oh, it's hilarious. The artwork in this series is really good. Like, it's been consistent across the board. Do you, do you have anything to add? No. Um. Uh, well, let's go over the final verdict. Alright, well, um, so, yeah, for me, I really like how this builds upon Mighty Morphin while making its own story. It's a little more mature than Power Rangers, but it's not grimdark. I mean, obviously it gets dark because, you know, you have an entire thing with, like, a sentient putty eventually rebelling against Rita that is copying Kimberly's boyfriend who has PTSD because he's been trapped in the moon prison for ages. Yeah, this is actually so far my favorite version of Mighty
1: Morphin. Uh, to piggyback on what Ashley said, it's a wonderful modern take on Power Rangers. The characters feel alive and like teenagers. It was heart-wrenching and hopeful at the same time, which is what I look for in Power Rangers. Uh, is It has to have a sliver of like light into it as well as dark. I also think this is my favorite version of Mighty Morphin. So yeah, we definitely saved the best for last. We did. As always, you can find us on Rangersplain on Twitter or WordPress rangersplain.wordpress.com our podcast channel is rangersplain on various things like stitcher apple and um all that stuff okay so we're finally out of mighty morphin next up wait wait jay i just got something to say
0: sure so we've been dealing with mighty morphin for the past seven months and i have decided i am making an executive decision right now i am taking over the podcast next month oh god we're going to watch the only Toku I had seen before we even started this podcast journey. Oh god, not- That's right. Next month, we're gonna cover Cutie Honey the Live. Not go Nagai. That's right, bitch. Go Nagai. The power can't protect you now. Go Enjoy.